you've got a Bible, love you to turn to it, either a real Bible with proper pages or on your phone or on your tablet. I have them on my phone and my tablet as well, so there you go. But we're looking at the book of Romans chapter 5 and I want to look at a few verses with you this morning. And I have to say, I've been listening to Romans uh, on my uh, audio thing uh, in the car as I've been driving this week and, and, and it's an incredible book. It's a really deep book. It's a book of theology and what we call doctrine. It's foundational truths. Um, and the Apostle Paul, who was part of the early church, wrote the book of Romans. And um, in chapter 5, the, these five verses that I'm going to read to you, we could spend a year in these five verses, okay? We're not going to spend a year in these five verses, but we could. But we're going to spend one talk in them anyway. So here it says this. Therefore, says Paul, since we have been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing on its own, isn't it? Because we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance in some translations, it says endurance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is saying that because of Jesus, we're standing in a place of grace and we're boasting in the hope that we have. How many of you are pleased about that? We're standing in a place of grace and we're boasting in the hope that we have. When I first became a Christian, which is a long time ago, there's a little book written by a Chinese Christian called Watchman Nee. Anyone heard of Watchman Nee? And the book says, Sit, Walk and Stand. And it was an incredible book, very deep book actually for me at the time, about who we are in our relationship with God. If you're a Christian, if you give your life to God, what does it mean? It means you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It means you can walk with Him through the power of His Spirit. And it means you can stand in what He's done for you. Sit, walk and stand. And whether you feel it or not, if you're a Christian today, you're standing in the place of grace and you can boast in the hope that you have, whether you feel it or not. And what we want to look at this morning is hope. Because when Paul is saying when we have hope because of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, it means we have this confident expectation in the goodness of God. And when you know hope, you can also carry hope and become carriers of hope in our world. And we really need that right now. Bishop Desmond Tutu, many years ago, South African bishop, he wrote this. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. How many of you know we need that, don't we? Despite all the darkness, hope is being able to see that there is light. And, and in these verses, Paul says that there's a connection between hope and suffering and perseverance and character. And I wish there wasn't, but there is. And he's saying this, you have hope if you're in Christ, but that hope will be refined and shaped and deepened and strengthened as you embrace suffering, as you understand that through suffering we need to endure or persevere, and as we allow that to shape our character. There's a connection between all of these things. And I think if, if the early church were here today, okay, and if lined up on this thing was like Peter and James and John and Nathaniel and Thomas and Matthew and Barnabas and 
all these other guys, okay? If they could say one thing to us this morning about hope, I think they'd say this. Don't give up, look up. Don't give up, look up. And what I've been doing is I've been reading through the book of Acts several times as I've been preparing for this series. And so I read through the book of Acts because about how did these guys change the world? Because God imagines this group of people will change the world, and they have. And then I was reading through, okay, how do these guys um, take risks even though they might fail? Because that's what God imagines the church will be like. And then how do these guys treat each other like family? Because that's what God imagines the church will be like. And I've been reading through And so then I read through it with this lens. How does this group of people that God imagines become carriers of hope? And as I read through the book of Acts, I thought, do you know what? They became carriers of hope in really tough days. You see, interestingly enough, before the service started this morning, when we've done all our sound checks and tech checks and got everything ready for you guys, okay? Because we start at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning to get everything ready for you. Then we gather over there and we pray. And we always pray for you guys when you come this morning. And we don't know who God's going to bring, but God knows. And we pray for you. And we pray for our children every Sunday morning. And we pray for our young people. And we pray for our community. And we pray for our nation. And we do that on the morning. And and as we were praying this morning, I was sharing with the guys that we're going to talk about being carriers of hope in a dark world. And boy, we really need it. But one of the guys who was praying prayed along words along this effect but everybody in every age has always felt that the world's been dark because it has hasn't it so we always say oh they're very dark days now they're worse than they used to be but everybody said that over the last few thousands of years the reality is folks you and I know nothing of darkness like the early church knew it when they started the world was incredibly dark you see for them suffering and character and perseverance and hope weren't connected to the things that they're connected to us. Because for us, it's things like, how am I going to have hope? Because I've lost my mobile phone. Do you know what I mean? Or it's dropped down the toilet. My world is coming to an end. But for these guys, their hope was in God, even when they knew that many of them would lose their faith, they'd lose their life for the faith in Christ. So I've read through and I thought, how did these guys become carriers of hope? And so I read in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen becomes this follower of Jesus. Or he's the follower of Jesus and he becomes the first martyr. And as he's being stoned to death, the Bible says he looks up and he sees Jesus in heaven. And he's okay. His hope's okay. And he dies for his faith, looking up at Jesus. Or I look in Acts chapter 12, how Peter and James are in prison for their faith. And how the, the, the church are praying that they'd be released. And he, amazingly enough, James is beheaded. But Peter is set free miraculously by an angel and he turns up at the prayer meeting and the guys are in the prayer meeting and they're praying that Peter will be released and God answers their prayer and he knocks on the door and the servant girl Rhoda opens the door and it's Peter who she's praying for and she shuts the door in his face and she goes back and says, it's Peter at the door. Like she's left him outside. It's comical. It's like a Monty Python sketch. It's crazy. Do you know what I mean? And he's there. And I think, how did the church have hope when God is so confusing? Because we prayed for these two guys and one died and one lived. What's up with that? And many of you, you know that, don't you? Where you prayed for people and sometimes God heals and sometimes it looks like he doesn't and they die. What's up with that? And these were carriers of hope in really confusing days. And then I look in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas are in prison. So Peter and John were in prison in Acts 12. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. They know what happened to Peter and James. 
They knew one of them lost his head and one of them was set free. The Bible says in Acts 16, at midnight, while Paul and Silas are in prison, they're looking up and they're singing hymns of praise to God. That's hope, isn't it? Now, we know, because we've got the Bible, how that story turned out, but they didn't know that. They knew that this could go well for them or it might not go well for them. But it doesn't matter because our hope is not in the expectation that things will go well for us. Our hope is in the expectation in the goodness of God. Whether we live or die, God's good. That's their hope. Whether this works out or not, God's good. Whether my marriage makes it or not, God is good. Whether I meet someone and marry them, God is good. Whether things work out well with my kids or not, God is good. Whether this job works for me or not, God is good. Hope is confident expectation in the goodness of God. And then I read through the last few chapters of Acts, Acts 26, 27 and 28. And you see the Apostle Paul and he's now in Rome and he's, he's in front of lots of different leaders defending his faith and that. And then he's put under house arrest. And he spends the last couple of years of his life under house arrest. And finally he's beheaded. But we don't read that in Acts. The last few verses of the book of Acts, we read this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, but he was under house arrest. And he welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What do you mean without, without hindrance? He's, he's under house arrest. But he's bold without hindrance because he's got hope. Because his hope is not that things will work out well for him. His hope is confident expectation in the goodness of God. And the early church, I believe, if they were here, would say to us, listen, don't give up, look up. Some of you in this room, I know it. You're, in the, you're almost in the moment where you're going to give up on your faith. And God has brought you here this morning because he wants to tell you something. Do not give up right now. Do not give up. You're giving up at the wrong point in the wrong time. Don't give up. Look up. Look up. And can you imagine a world where people are carried by hope and are carriers of hope? Wouldn't that be amazing? And I want to change tack for a minute and then I'm going to come back to this. You know, as I've been watching like you have, all these incredible horrifying stories on our TV sets and, you know, in the darkness. But listen, there's bits of hope even in the midst of that, isn't there? With the Grenfell Tower, I read this week of a 70-year-old blind man who was 12 hours inside his flat, but who was rescued by amazing firefighters and brought to safety and freedom. And yes, lots of people have lost their life, which is awful and tragic. But in the midst of the darkness, there are stories of hope. And then, not so dramatic, but closer to home. A couple of weeks ago, um, I spoke on, um, you know, imagine a group of people that aren't afraid to take risks, even if they might fail. And I was encouraging us to step out of the boat a little bit. And a couple of days after that, I was in Asda, because I live a rock and roll lifestyle, and I was buying some stir-fry vegetables. How rock and roll is that? And I, I got them in my hand, and I was going down the escalator, and there was a Muslim lady in front of me with her uh, small child, toddler. And um, her friend was at the bottom, so just two Muslim ladies and, and a toddler. And I'm aware of the cultural issues, so I didn't want to you know, uh, break that. But she looked at me and she started interacting a little bit with me as well and started chatting to me about the girl. And I said, oh, she's lovely and blah, blah, blah. And we're chatting down the escalator here. And then she, she says, yeah, we couldn't have kids for years. And uh, this is a real, she's a real miracle. And, and that's really unusual for a Muslim lady to be talking to a man like this. Okay, and, and as she's talking, and then she says this, and, and she says, but I'm really nervous, I'm really scared about bringing her up in this world which is so full of darkness. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, push it a little bit more, go a little further. And so I said, do you know what? You're absolutely right, and I get that. But do you know what? There's also some really good things in our world, 
It's not all darkness. I said, some of it is the way the media tells us that all these things are darkness, but it's not. That's all I said. That's all I said. At the bottom of the escalator, she turned around to me. She said, thank you so much. That positivity has changed my day. I thought, wow, fantastic. I didn't lead her to Christ, didn't talk about any of that at all. But just that little moment of taking a step, a risk. And then, and then last Sunday, some of you came to me and said, as a result of the previous Sunday, you've also taken a step out of the boat as well. And someone came to me last week and said, at work, they've pushed out in somewhere and they've offered to help someone. They said, and by offering to help someone in a certain situation, it's going to key into pain in my own life. And I know it's going to be painful, but I want to step out for the sake of helping someone else. That's hope. That's being a carrier of hope. And then two of our teenage girls were walking through a town near here. I hear this story. And they came across a homeless guy. And they felt prompted by the Lord to go and to interact with that, this homeless guy and to chat to him. And they ended up praying for him and with him, which is amazing, isn't it? In the midst of all of this stuff, we can be carriers of hope, which is why we have launched today this new initiative called Say One For Me. It's a very, very simple thing. You've got one on your seat. Say One For Me is this is my prayer request. What we want to encourage you to do is if you have a prayer request, write it down. We will pray for you. Every week, the elders and the staff, we have committed to praying for these prayer requests. But it's not just for those of us in here, though it is. Really, what we want to say is you do that if you have a prayer request. Fantastic. But take one. You can get one from the connection point and share it with somebody. See, if I had had one of these in my hand when I was on the escalator in Asda, maybe I'd have said, hey, could I pray for you and your child? And maybe I could have, she could have filled that in or whatever. But this is a great opportunity. Now, it may be that you end up praying for them and, um, you know, face to face. That's great. But it may be that that's not appropriate or they're a little embarrassed to do that or you're a little embarrassed to do that. Say, listen, if you've got a prayer request, would you just start it down here? We, our church, we will pray for you. Then on the other side, there's a thanks report. We've already had one or two in this morning. Someone filled this thanks report in this morning at how last week they were, went to the prayer room and received prayer and were healed. They had pain in their arms for about eight weeks and it's totally gone which is fantastic. They wrote that down as a way of thanking God. So is that okay? Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you to take these, use them yourself, but also take one and use it with someone else. Let's begin to do something with the faith and the hope that we have. Let's become these carriers of hope. But in the time that we've got left this morning, what I want to do is I want to, I want to think about what's the one thing that's the foundation for the hope that you and I have. If the early church were all lined up here and they'd say to you, don't give up, look up, why would they say that? Why do they have such hope? One reason, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the resurrected Jesus Christ that gives us the hope in which we now stand. And I want to give you four reasons this morning why what, because of the resurrection, you and I can have hope this morning, even if you don't feel like it. Because it's not about feelings or emotions. It's about the reality of who we are in God. The first reason is this. Because he lives, we know God feels our pain. See, when you and I go through pain, when we go through suffering, when we go through difficulty, we ask three questions. We ask these questions. God, are you there? God, do you care? And God, will you do anything about it? And I've been asked many times questions, you know, why, why does this happen and why would this happen and why would God allow that to happen? And I don't know all the answers to the questions, but because of the resurrection of Christ, I know God feels our pain. Because he gave up his only son, Jesus, to go through the horror of the cross and to come through it with the nails and the scar marks in his body. And he still carries those marks right now. 
When, when Stephen looked up and saw Jesus in heaven, he would have seen a Jesus who carries the nail marks. He carries it through as a reminder to you and I that he knows and feels our pain. When the friend of Jesus died, he wept. When the crowds gathered with people that, that were lost like sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion on them. When women who suffered the pain of prejudice and judgment came across Jesus, he reached out and embraced them. When lepers who were untouchable came across the, the, the path of Jesus, he touched them even though he didn't have to. Jesus heals, Jesus hears and knows and feels our pain. And I love this verse in Psalm 34 verse 18 from the Message Translation. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Isn't that a great verse? If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Because of the resurrection, folks, the tears you and I shed... <laughs> the blows and the setbacks we receive, the gut-wrenching pain of separation, loss, betrayal and disappointment, all of these will become memories just like Jesus' scars. Still there, but the pain of them will go. And we can know it because we know God feels our pain. So don't give up, look up. Secondly, because he lives, we know things can change. This is the resurrection. We know things can change because Jesus lives. Is there life after death? People say to me often, is there life after death? I say, yes, there is. But there's also life before death as well. There's life after the death of a marriage. There's life after the death of a loved one. There's life after the death of a job or a career or a dream. Because of the resurrection, we know things can change. Because if God defeated death, there's nothing that he can't do. Thirdly, oh no, sorry, let me just read this quote. This is such a good quote, Robert Schuller. Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Isn't that great? Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Maybe this morning you're here and you know that your hope is almost gone because your hurts are so full. Don't let your hurts shape your future. Let your hopes, a confident expectation in the goodness of God. Number three, because he lives, we know that ultimately God wins. Ultimately God wins. You know, if you've ever read a, a book like a, a crime thriller or a whodunit, anyone read one of them on holiday and, and it's really exciting and you're like, you want to like turn to the last page and see who did it. You know, or maybe like me and Alice and my wife was here at the first service. We like these box sets, these kind of thriller things. Anyone into box sets? The problem with them is if it's a really good one, like at the end of the episode, you're like, oh, I need to see what happens next. Anyone done that? Or like me and Alison did the other night, we were into this box set, um, Line of Duty, and at episode number four, we went, oh, there's eight episodes. Oh, one more, five, six, seven. The whole series gone. The night went and the whole series. Because you just can't, you've got to know what happens at the end. Listen. When it comes to your faith, relax, God wins. And if you're in Christ, that means you win too. And I think the early church, even though many of them knew they were going to suffer death on this, on, this, on this life, they said it doesn't matter because our hope isn't in this life. Our hope isn't in how it's going to work out now. Our hope is a confident expectation in the goodness of God. And because of the resurrection, we know ultimately God wins. Ultimately, God wins. So don't give up look up. And the final thing I want to say, because he wins, we know that the best is always yet to come. In 1971, John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. Um, we were going to do it for you this morning, but I decided that we wouldn't in the end. Um, but you know, Imagine as a song is one of the hundred most performed songs of the 20th century. And its sentiment is noble. It, it, it's imagine a world where there's no hatred 
Imagine a world where there's no barriers. Imagine a world where there's, there's no unhappiness, where there's no sorrow, where there's no sadness. Imagine, imagine. It, it's great. But then John Lennon says, but imagine in this world that there's no heaven. And then, and then me and him turn a sharp corner. Because <laughs> I don't want to imagine there's no heaven because there is. And to me, you have no hope at all if you're imagining a world without no heaven. If you imagine a world where it's only about what happens on this side of eternity, this side, it's really, really sad. And you and I do not have to imagine a world without a heaven because there is one. There is one and we know that the best is always yet to come because Jesus went to death and came back to life and is alive now. And so whatever you and I are going through in this small world, and it is, Whatever, even if we get 100 years, it's tiny in, the length, in, in reality to, to eternity. We know that that's small and the best is always yet to come. You know, as a kid, I, I feared heaven. N- not so much the process of dying, although as Woody Allen said, I don't want to be there when it happens. Uh, but but I, 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 not so much the process of dying, but, but, but more the fact that I was brought up in church. Any of you brought up in church and you went to church when you were a baby, right? In the womb, I was at church, okay? And um, so I've been brought up in church services all of my life. And sometimes on a Sunday, we would endure, enjoy, endure, endure six services every Sunday, okay? So as a kid growing up, hearing about heaven, I'm thinking to myself, hang on a minute, I come to church and it's pretty dull and pretty boring. Is heaven going to be like this for eternity? So I'm not excited about heaven as a kid, okay? But you know what? You can be excited about that. You really can. You see, Jesus in John chapter 14 says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. We need to hear that now, don't we? Listen, you need to be voices of hope in our world as well because our world is troubled. But our God says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Then he says this, trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? Now, Jesus uses imagery here, not of a funeral, but he uses the imagery from a wedding. And when the Jewish people heard this, that Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't give up hope, don't be troubled because I'm going to my father's house to prepare a room for you. They all knew that was in the context of a wedding. Because in a Jewish wedding, the groom, the son, would go to his dad and says, hey, we're going to get married here. And his father would know all about that. And he would go and he would spend time preparing a room in his father's house. Because when he gets married, he hasn't, he's not going to have his own house with his wife. He's going to take his wife back to his father's home where they're going to live. And so the imagery that, Paul, that Jesus uses to describe death is not a funeral, but a wedding. So like all the expectation and anticipation when you're walking down the aisle to get married is actually the anticipation and expectation that you should have when you're actually passing from this life to the next. You're going home, folks. Isn't that good? Some of you don't sound that excited. Like the kid, the, the, the preacher's saying, you know, are you excited about heaven? And they all put their hands up and the one little kid doesn't. And, and, and the preacher says, why aren't you excited? He says, I thought you were making up a batch now. Do you know what I mean? Like I thought you wanted to go now. But with that anticipation and excitement is because we're passing from this life to the best one. A new story, a new chapter is beginning. D.L. Moody, the famous American evangelist said, someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? And then he says this, at that moment, I shall be more alive than I am right now. I shall have gone up higher. That is all. I want to invite the band to come back up. And I've asked Gemma and the band if they could sing to you and over you this morning. And um, 
I need to describe, uh, explain to you about this song. Uh, some years ago, this is quite an old song. Uh, a band uh, called Mercy Me wrote this song. It was an incredible song uh, called Imagine. And uh, this song encourages us to imagine what that world is going to be like. And it encourages us to imagine that place. And it encourages us to imagine that reuniting between you and the loved one that you've lost. Or, or, or the fact that in that place, the body that you've been struggling with, the illness and the pain that you have endured for so many months or years will be gone. And the tears that you shed because of relationship or because of betrayal or because of brokenness will be replaced by tears of joy. And the song encourages you to imagine what that place will be like. But as I shared at the first service, this song is, um, and I got really emotional at the first service, which hopefully I won't quite so much at this one. This song is a special song for me and Alison because this is Simeon's song. This is the song that we've always carried and treasured in our heart um, since the moment that our youngest son was diagnosed with complex special needs and learning disability. And, um, uh, and when I came to think about using this song, I said to Ali, and she said, oh, really? And I said, yeah, but it'll be fine because Simi's doing great and stuff. And so, you see, see Simeon has never really been able to talk to us in a way that people do. And so for us, the hope that keeps us going is that there will be a day in the future when we'll have a conversation with Simeon, which will be heart to heart and soul to soul and spirit to spirit and, uh, and uh, uh, like that. Do you know what I mean? But until that day, we have to hold on with that hope that that will come in the future. Maybe not now. But I said, it'll be okay because everything's great. And then on Thursday, um, I, as I came to practice to listen to the guys rehearsing the song, we had a phone call that Simeon had had a major meltdown and had smashed his face up again and broken his nose and he would be on hourly observations and I'd have to take him to A&E and all of that. And, and as I came in here and the band, and you can stop, and the band was starting to play and, uh, uh, and I was listening to Gemma sing the song and I had to go out in the back and I wept. I wept because I said to God, come on God, really? Like we've been around this mountain so many times. Why again? Why again? And I really wrestled with God. You know, and then I came back in the band didn't know I just came back in and I, and I just kind of listened to the song again and it was like in that moment I just felt the presence of God I was still really cross and really angry and then yesterday which was Saturday which was Simeon's birthday and he was okay he was not himself his face is really smashed up but we took him out for the day and we went to Warwick Castle it's been many times and after that we went into the cathedral and in the cathedral, he loves old churches. We went to the cathedral and there's all the, um, the altar there where there's some candles that are all on the, the fl flame. The candles have, uh, have been lit. Now, Simeon and candles is like, there's a candle, got to blow it out. So that's what he does. It's really embarrassing in certain moments, okay? And so as he's heading over towards the candles, I'm like, oh no, he's going to blow all the candles out. Is there a vicar around? Do you know what I mean? But you know what he did? And I mean, he's never done this before. We've never seen it before. He went over and he took a candle and he lit a candle himself and he put it on. And Alison went over with him and said, Simi, should we say a prayer? And he said, yes. And so they prayed to God. And it was like in that moment, do you know what I mean? Just like a little moment of the goodness of God invaded our life. And it doesn't take away from some of the pain that we feel and that we carry. And I know one day, one day, all of that pain will be gone. But until that day, I'm not going to give up on my hope. Because if we give up on my hope, we've got nothing left. And do you know the greatest thing about heaven? The greatest thing about heaven is not the fact that me and Ali are going to talk to Simi. That will be fantastic. The greatest thing in heaven is not that I'm going to see my dad again. 
or that you're going to meet those people that you've loved and lost. The greatest thing about heaven is not that that ravaged body through illness and sickness or disability or anything is going to be completely transformed and perfect. That's not the greatest thing about heaven. It's not that you're going to dance on streets of gold even though you haven't had any money this side of eternity. That's not the greatest thing. The greatest thing about heaven is you're going to see Jesus and you're going to see Him face to face. That's going to be phenomenal. That's why don't give up. Look up. So who needs hope this morning? When we're trapped in a tunnel of misery, hope points to the light at the end. When we're overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we're discouraged, hope lifts our spirits. When we're tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or lingering illness, hope brings the reminder that God is still in control. When we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us we still have a future. When we're forced to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel rejected or abandoned, hope reminds us we're not on our own. We will make it. And when we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond gets us through our grief. Folks, we've got hope. Don't give up. Look up. And maybe this morning you need hope. I know I do in areas of my life. Maybe you need that this morning. I want to say to you one more thing. Don't give up. Stand up. Stand in the hope that you have. And I want to pray for you this morning. So if there is anyone here and you know that you need hope right now, you need to know that hope that you have, I want to encourage you, stand and let me pray for you this morning. I'm standing, not because I'm standing, but because I'm standing for hope. I want it as well. I need it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your incredible power of Your Word. And God, I want to pray for every person that's standing this morning. Lord, I know this is emotional today, but God, I pray beyond emotion, let this not just be about emotion. Holy Spirit, let this be the transforming power of You at work in our lives. And God, where we need hope, Lord, You are full of hope. You have abundance of hope. God, I pray that we would know and receive that hope today in Jesus' Name. May we live, God. May we stand in the confident expectation in the goodness of God. It may not work out like we want it to. It may not work out like we think it should do or that we deserve it to. But God, You will always be good. Lord, You are good. And God, I pray that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God, one day, one day in that better place, God, all of this will fade. Because Lord, we will just be in Your presence, in joy, in incredible relationship with You. But God, until that day, we are not going to give up. We're going to look up and we are going to stand up in the hope in which we have. So Father, would You come by Your Spirit right now, I pray, over every single person standing in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? I want to encourage you, the end of our service, which will be after this song, 
If any of you want prayer this morning, we invite you through to the, uh, to the prayer room there. We'd love to pray for you this morning. But you know, we're going to finish by singing this incredible hymn that we've sung here in this church many times. And uh, you know, th- th- this song, just please don't sing it out of familiarity just because you know the song. But every line in this song is a line of truth. And, and you know, what my experience is this. Listen, if I put my hope in my emotions and feelings, I'd have given up on this years ago. There are some days I don't even know. I can't feel or sense God. Don't think that just because we get up here that we're always sensing God. That's not true. But I know whom I believe, the Bible says. And I have to get a grip of my own head sometimes and say, even with all that I see or I'm not seeing, even with what I feel or I'm not feeling, I know this is true. I know, God, that you love me. I know you sent Jesus to die for me. I know they put him in the grave and I know you rose him from the dead. And that means that I can have hope. And a lot of life doesn't make much sense. But without God, it makes even less sense. Makes no sense at all. And so we have to take a grip. So I want you to say, I want to say to you, as you sing this song, these are words of truth. Make them burn in your heart again and in your mind. Amen. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. That's our hope, isn't it? It's in Him and in Him alone. Thanks, guys.